Work was in the news this year. Whether it was labor organizing at Starbucks and Amazon, layoffs at tech companies, the eye-roll-inducing quiet quitting trend, or the absolutely bonkers productivity paranoia scare, people who talk about work have had quite a bit to talk about. We got Nell McShane Wolfhart's book, The Great Stewardess Rebellion, and Helen Peterson and Charlie Warzel's Out of Office, and labor reporter Kim Kelly's History of the Labor Movement, Fight Like Hell. There's also been plenty of talk about work and neurodivergence, of which I contributed to myself at Fast Company and The Muse. I've received pitch after pitch for the podcast from people who want to come on and talk about the ways they're re-engaging employees, improving the culture in their company, or maximizing productivity without inducing burnout. Elon Musk insists that he'll only employ workers hardcore enough to sleep at the office. Meta laid off 11,000 workers that they were essentially keeping in reserve so that other tech companies couldn't hire them. While over at Google and Apple, workers are starting to organize and unionize. Speaking of organizing, adjunct instructors at the New School in New York City and low-wage academic workers in the University of California system went on strike to secure higher wages and more job security. Over the last three years, Americans have seen a tidal shift in the ways we think about work. School and daycare closures highlighted how precarious women's employment continues to be. The rise of grocery delivery and DoorDash exposed how likely we are to accept the externalities of our choices and erase the labor and risk of others in the name of going contactless. And talk about student loan debt shined a light on how lenders exploit fear of downward mobility to sell college degrees as job training. Now, if 2020 was the year people asked, can we really work from home? And 2021 was the year people asked, how might we return to the office? Then 2022 was the year people started asking, why do we put up with this crap? I'm Tara McMullen, and this is What Works, the show that explores navigating the 21st century economy without losing your humanity. If... Like me, you've been working from home for many years. Maybe the shift in discourse felt irrelevant. You've got your own gig, you make your own rules, you create your own working conditions. But I believe this larger shift transcends the divisions created by our tax codes. Contractor, employee, sole proprietor, member of an LLC, and even employer. Whether we have obligations to an employer or rely on some of the world's largest corporations for free access to the software products they create to harvest our personal data, we are workers. And the way we think about work and workers is changing because work changed and is still changing. Whereas at one time, it made sense to talk about work-life balance it no longer does. How do you balance two things that take up the same space, the same time? At one time, it made sense to talk about productivity at work. 
but productivity is a superficial at best, harmful at worst measure when we're talking about work that is increasingly care-based, creative, and certainly unpredictable. At one time, it made sense to talk about career paths and opportunities for advancement. But today, the short-term profit incentive means it's just as likely a worker will be made contingent, erasing their employer-provided benefits as promoted with a meager pay increase. Now, I'm uncomfortably aware that my analysis of work, the economy, and our culture can lean toward the bleak. Part of my analysis will always be to uncover the context and systems that operate beneath the current conditions on the ground. And a critical element of progressive analysis is understanding that the context and systems we operate in are flawed, often deeply so. But another critical element of progressive analysis is holding on to the potential for change. This is the wellspring of hope. Work is changing and has the potential to change even more dramatically. It's not too late to imagine a world where what we do 20, 30, or 40 hours per week is detached from how our needs are met. It's not too late to ascribe new values to work, values that create a more dynamic and imaginative economy than productivity or profit. It's not too late to envision your own work differently. Ideas at first considered outrageous or ridiculous or extreme, writes Rebecca Solnit, gradually become what people think they've always believed. When I first started writing about the maker movement and online business 14 years ago now, I was alive with the potential for independent work and novel ways of earning a living. At that time, the possibilities felt outrageous and extreme from where I was sitting. Today, I realize that my imagination was still trapped in economic and cultural programming that prevented me from seeing how my values and excitement could be realized in even more outrageous ways. My vision for the future of work today is extreme. Another 10 or 14 years from now, I might look back on it and think, oh, wasn't that cute? But such is the nature of progressive politics. So in short, here is my vision for the future of work. First, we recognize the inherent overlap between waged work, life work, and living, and use that overlap to build new frameworks that solve for care, collaboration, and creativity. Second, we stop trying, as David Graeber put it, to quantify the unquantifiable. Instead, workers and managers collaborate to make meaning through the process of work. Third, we eliminate economic and social structures that rely on the moral virtuousness of hard work and replace those structures with policy that leads to human thriving. Fourth, we create workspaces, physical, virtual, social, intellectual, and emotional, that are accessible to everyone who wants to access them so we can benefit from diverse ideas and perspectives. Fifth, we value workers as humans, not machines. 
Sixth, we organize value production and exchange in ways that benefit humans rather than capital. Seventh, we build structures for work relations that allow greater autonomy, more trust, and closer connections to the product of work. And finally, we see every worker and non-worker as an integral part of society. It's important to note that these are not superficial changes. They cannot be subsumed into existing capitalist structures of work. We'll be told that they can be. Organizations are already advertising their focus on worker well-being in an effort to respond to demands. But with few exceptions, this just isn't happening. Unless you think that you're immune because you set your own hours or determine your own pay, sorry, independent workers will need to rethink the way they work from the ground up too. They need to recalibrate their relationships with other workers and organizations. They must set new targets and operationalize new ways of doing business outside of existing incentive structures. This is an exciting time to be a worker. Things are changing rapidly. Whether in small and personal ways or large and structural ways, this is our opportunity to get creative. We can practice a new way of working, living, and being individually and cooperatively. And how we do that is exactly the question I want to ask in 2023, and I hope you'll ask it too. If you're curious about applying these ideas to the way you live and work in the new year, I have two recommendations for you. The first is my new book, What Works? A Comprehensive Framework to Change the Way We Approach Goal Setting. It's a fundamental rethinking of why we choose our goals, why we're always striving for more, and how we might create work and life structures that don't revolve around achievement or the relentless pursuit of growth. You can grab your copy or gift one to a friend at explorewhatworks.com slash book or wherever books are sold. And my second recommendation is a brand new workshop that I'm teaching January 10th, 17th, and 24th called Work in Practice. This three-part workshop builds on the themes of the book and applies them to our daily work. On January 10th, We'll tackle job crafting so we can do better work with less stress. On January 17th, we'll embrace our limits so that we can make reasonable and sustainable plans for the year ahead. And on January 24th, we'll create systems of care for ourselves and others to increase our access to resources, as well as increase what we have available to give and share. To find out more, go to workinpractice.life. That's work in practice dot life. <laughs>